The following podcast is a mass media production. Hi, I'm Josh Galindo. And I'm Crystal Galindo. Welcome to the Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will offer our experience and expertise in building real, lasting wealth through renovating and flipping homes. And the chaos that comes with balancing a family of six, leaving nothing unsaid. Follow our wild ride we call life and apply our lessons to your own journey. Good morning, honey. How are you? Uh, today I am feeling very blessed. Yeah? Yes. Me too. You know why? Why? Because I'm uber excited for season four of Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations. <laughs> Me too. I really Me am. Too. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I know. I like our new space. I know. For those that can't see it, we're sitting in one of the most elite podcast rooms in Vegas. It's in the back of my building. <laughs> <laughs> now that we brought in... Uh, yeah, I don't know. We spruced it up. It's what, yeah. what I find to be funny about all of this is that where we started. We started in a dining room. Started in a dining room and at my neighbor's moved, house. And then we moved to our dining room. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we did. I forgot about that. Was that a whole season at our dining room? I don't think it was a whole season. Okay. And then we moved to the conference room with just the whiteboards in the back. Our makeshift large whiteboard made by four whiteboards. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, keep going. No, and then and then it was the purple wall, but then we put the hedge up. Yeah. Well, I put the hedge up. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and then now we're here. Wow. And this we see. I kind of forgot all those little in betweens. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And so now we uh, we are in. Um, we kind of built like a an all purpose room. In the back of our expansion at Galena Group Real Estate, mm-hmm. and it includes uh, like a, what we were calling a lounge, yeah. and the lounge is, um, also acts as our podcast space. So I'm super excited to be in this new space, amongst mm-hmm. many other things. I mean, we have so much to be thankful for this year. It's yes. it's really uh, it's a laundry list. It might take all of season four to to communicate <laughs> how much uh, great thing, how many great things we have to be thankful for. If you're looking for some family fun, I know I always am. Check out Circus Circus Hotel and Casino. At Circus Circus, there's something for everyone. Have a blast inside the Adventure Dome, a five-acre indoor theme park with 30 rides, including their newest rides, Twist and Teacups, Circus Swings, and Little Sprinter Raceway. Or act like a kid again at the Midway, playing arcade games or enjoying their free daily circus acts. Looking for a special date night? Look no further than their award-winning restaurant called The Steakhouse. Voted Best Steakhouse in Las Vegas. Circus Circus offers affordable room rates starting at $29 per night. Book your stay today at CircusCircus.com. All right, babe, so what are we talking about today for our first episode? Uh, I think the very first episode that's probably on everybody's mind because it is like the talk of the town yeah, um, or talk of the country maybe mm-hmm. uh, is the housing market. Yeah, I, I would mean, agree. Every Every news outlet is talking about it. Um, there's people becoming millionaires overnight. People's, uh, equity in their homes is, is shooting through the roof. I think there's a lot of optimism and positivity around what has taken place in the housing market in the last year. I think that's something that we should touch on. Yeah. So specific to Las Vegas, what do you, what are your predictions? I mean, we just talked about this the other night. Well, but... let's talk about where we've come from and okay. let's kind of, yeah, let's, like let's, let's go recap, way, 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 way back. It's kind of a funny Story. Okay. The end of 2019, 
I tied up a property in Red Rock. It was a nine hundred thousand dollar house. I was very heavily uh, mm-hmm. in bed and invested with my investors, um, and I took the deal to them. Yeah, and they said uh, that they didn't want to buy it. Well, at that point, I was like, you know what? I, I the, the inconsistency is not quite working well for my business. They kept saying we want to buy, we don't want to buy, we want to buy. We want to buy we want to, da, 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 da. It wasn't the inconsistency didn't work well. So I remember coming home to you and going, honey, I think we should buy this house. It was the first million dollar home I had ever bought to flip mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. personally. Um, and you were like, yeah, absolutely. And I think it had like $200,000 on the bone. Yep. It was a I big, was like, big, we're going to do deal. this, 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 this. Yeah, we should. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> and it was a great feeling. And I remember sitting at the edge of my bed. It was nighttime. And I had a moment of meditation was probably a good summary of, um, uh, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said to my, I envisioned myself renovating that house, closing that house, and then grabbing a check and receiving it and saying, holy shit, this is the first house I'd ever made $200,000 on yeah. alone. Yeah. Without so, an investor. Without an investor and on one house. Yes. So I was really excited about that opportunity. And, uh, so we hit the ground running. Yeah. And then I remember... <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic freaking slaps us in the face. Yeah. And I was so invested with all of my own personal money in the market. Um, and I had gutted everything. In that house. In that house and uh-huh. all of my other inventory. Yeah. So the thought of being able to renovate or excuse me, to rent out any of it was out of the question. Right. So now I'm being told with all this scary news that the pandemic has stopped the real estate market and and the economy is getting shut down and they're closing all the businesses. And I'm sitting there going, I can't even rent these houses if I wanted to because they have nothing in them. Right. So I had no choice, which is actually a, a big learning lesson for me. And a, a big example of what I was capable of overcoming was the only way out of this was through it. That's mm-hmm. what I kept saying. <laughs> and it wasn't like some great cliche statement. That was truly the fact. That the was... only way out of those houses was through them, meaning I had to renovate them and see it all the way to the end. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So pandemic comes in and wrecks havoc. They mm-hmm. close down the economy. Yeah. Um, you know, fire a ton of people. Yeah. You know, the strip was laid Done. off. Yeah. Well, they initially laid off and then kept trying to pay people, kept trying to pay. I mean, we just it, it's really interesting. If you actually go through it and if we had the time to do it, I would. Just recap what actually took place. Because mm-hmm. it's like shocking to think about. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, if you worked at stations, you knew you had 100, you had 90 days of pay. And we were like, Oh, it's fine. It's okay. Great. Everybody's got 90 days of pay. Everybody can still pay their bills. And then all of a sudden the 91st day came. Yeah. And then stations was like, we, we got it. We can't, we can't keep paying people for oh. not open. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was closed. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they laid off 90% of their workforce. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden people couldn't get un- unemployment. Yeah. So now like literally the machine almost stopped. You know, there's a lot of things that if you really go back and, and point out, it was Quite treacherous. Anyway, what it ended up doing is the the Fed, which their job is to control inflation and employment, they came out and they said, how do we reignite this economy? And they just slammed interest rates to almost zero. And when that happens, the cost to borrow money substantially decreases. Mm-hmm. So now if you make $50,000 a year and you can afford $2,000 a month and $2,000 a month got you a $300,000 house with an interest rate of 5%, rough numbers. Right. Um, 
and then all of a sudden now you could go and borrow money at two and a half percent. You could literally, for extreme example purposes, buy like a six hundred thousand dollar house with the same fifty thousand. Because you're not paying as much in interest. Because you're not, you, yeah. The interest component is yeah. so much less, which reduces the payment and uh, allows you to borrow more. Mm-hmm. So that spurred a, a really rambunctious, <laughs> aggressive housing recovery. Right. Um, and people that hadn't that were renting could now buy. Yeah, amongst many other things. Yeah. There's different factors that get markets to, to keep moving, and the market depends on these factors. One is a renter converting to a homeowner. Two is a move-up homeowner moving up, mm-hmm. meaning they bought their first condo, right. little 1,000-square-foot condo, two-bedroom, da-da-da. They bought it for X, Y, Z. Now their families have outgrown that, and they got to go buy a three or $400,000 house. Mm-hmm. You know, three or $400,000 house goes from, you know, two kids to four kids. They got to go buy a $700,000 house. So that move up buyer is very crucial to the housing market staying fluid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, lowering interest rates allowed all of those people to make a move. Well, some of the other things that had taken place was that other states, their restrictions were so bad around COVID, uh, you know, crazy mask restrictions. Um, social distancing restrictions, restaurants weren't opening back up, their economies were staying shut, um, couldn't go to the beach. I don't know if you like, know where I'm getting at here. Couldn't go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, so California, yeah, they just put the, the clamp on them so aggressively that the people that were unwilling to um, abide by those rules, and some are, some were cool with it. Some introverts of the world were like, yeah. this is amazing. I'm going to sit in my house and enjoy and live my best life and have everything be paid for. And the extroverts were like, this is brain damage. I can't live under these, under these uh, conditions. I'm out of here. And they all started flooding to Vegas. Yeah. Cash, cash, (laughs) cash, cash. It was crazy how much cash came here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in the, so we, we, we talked about getting through the pan before the pandemic, getting through the pandemic and then coming out into 2021. So at that point, interest rates are still super low. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden act, the, the activity, the word's out. Yeah. So now there's more activity. And when the word gets out, more happens. It amplifies everything. Well, my neighbor just bought, so I got to buy, you know, my neighbor's said that there was 10 offers on the house that they put an offer in on. Holy cow, that means that if I want to buy in the next six months, I better buy now because prices are going to go up. So you take all of that mentality and you shove it into one box, and what ends up happening, it just explodes the box Mm -hmm. with more activity. So there was a time when we had houses in the beginning of 2021, just for some perspective, where we were listing the house for like, we bought a house that we thought was worth $375. By the time I was done with it, I thought it was worth, excuse me, $450. I bought it for three seventy five. Okay. Maybe I didn't. Are you say talking that. about Westbrook? Uh, that's a good example okay. too. Oh, okay. Actually, I mean, now, nah, but that one's so drawn out. Okay. So I bought Daylight Peak for three seventy five. I thought it was worth four fifty. That was gonna be a little cute deal, and we move on. By the time I get ready to list it, uh, I, I think it's worth four seventy five, four eighty. So Which like, is how many months later? Oh, uh, forty five days later. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, no big deal. Uh, we'll list this thing at. 390, 389.9, 489.9, 489.9. Just to push the market a little bit, be a little aggressive, see where it comes in at. This house gets so many offers on it, it gets bid up to 550. Oh my God. (laughs) 
This house went up like $80,000 yeah. in 45 days. That's um, crazy. And what had really happened with the neighborhood was what I call a sleeper neighborhood, and this is good information for people listening. There's little neighborhoods where there's sleeper neighborhoods and there's not a lot of activity, and any of the activity that is there is old, and old activity represents old data. So um, there weren't any new sales. So when I popped up, it wasn't necessarily that it was only worth – it was probably worth five twenty. But nothing had represented that in the immediate area because nothing had sold in the recent in a recent period of time. So you didn't have any data to go off. I of. didn't have any data to go off of, so I had to go off of old data, and old data was representing an old time in time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that just shows. For example, oh man, <laughs> what up, bro? <laughs> I gotta say hi. You know what? You should even keep this on here. Okay. Let, let, come, 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 <laughs> come, Ryan Grove. I'm calling you out on the podcast. <laughs> Huh? Look, it's your high school girlfriend right here. So Ryan Grove just walked into the podcast space. Hi, Ryan. And I'm I, out of the podcast space. <laughs> yeah, I called him in. <laughs> but um, something fun, I'll call him out right now. Leave this in, Chris, if you could sneak it in. Ryan Grove was, I just told him this recently, when he worked with me, mm-hmm. most detailed, hardworking, passionate, Figure it outer in the construction <laughs> space that that I uh, had witnessed. Yeah. So little shout out for you, Grove. Thanks for visiting. He showed up on us <laughs> unexpectedly. Look around. I'm going to. All right. <laughs> nah, man, I really meant that. I actually sent him a little kind text with that recently. You just forget, you know, people you work with, how good they were, and sometimes they deserve a little compliment. Okay, so. You're talking about Daylight Peak. Daylight Peak. So, so what I want to do is, rep- I just want to show how aggressive the market was being. Mm-hmm. And I had other houses that have the same story. There were homes that I thought I was going to make 20 grand on and make an 80 grand on. There was homes that I thought I was going to make, you know, 10 grand on and making 50 grand on. So the prices were substantially jumping. That was what was taking place. Okay. And that kind of has led all the way up until now. And what I always encourage other people to do that are in the investing business, there's all these stats, all this stuff you can read about and news things. And here's the thing. News wants to scare the shit out of everybody. So it's almost 90% negative. It's always going to be negative. Yeah. The housing crash has been coming for 10 years. <laughs> if you read the news. And, and then for, it happens. They're like, told you. Told you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're just 10 years late. And because yeah. I listened to you and you're told you, I now have missed out on 10 years worth of buying opportunity that I could have taken advantage of. So I don't believe in any other shit or reading the statistics or any other stuff. The one thing that I pay attention to, very simple, is the actives on the MLS. Okay? I go and I, and I don't give a shit about condos or townhomes or any other stuff. I look at the single-family residential actives. So about f- four months ago, six mm-hmm. months ago, I really started paying close attention to it. I wanted to watch what was happening because I'm like, what is happening is unsustainable. Right. And what I don't want to ha- – and I want to understand – what factors were contributing to that unsustainability. And one of them was the single family residential active count was 1800 at one time. For those that don't understand what that means, let me give you perspective. That's crazy. In 2008, when the housing market crashed and there was such an abundance of inventory that they were having to drop prices, 10, 15, $20,000 yeah. just to get someone to walk in the door and consider it. There was 28,000 Single family homes on the market compared to 1800. 1800 what does 1800 yeah. represent in a nutshell? It's about 0.8 months worth of inventory. So if 
which is called three weeks. Just easy yeah. math. So if not one person, if one, if nobody put another house on the market for three weeks, Las Vegas would have zero houses to sell in three weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. After the three weeks was up, we'd eat through all of it. There'd be nothing left to buy. So that's how low the inventory is. Mm-hmm. So I started paying attention to that because I want to go, okay, what am I experiencing on the outside and what is influencing that experience? Oh, I understand when prices can jump 50, 60, 70, $80,000 per house, it's because the inventory level is representing 1800 I want to put that in my brain so I never forget it. Now that's what experience is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's acknowledging what you're, what you're experiencing and remembering it for in the future to use it. That's called experience. That's yeah. what makes you good. Like I've seen this before. I've seen this movie before. I know how to act. Yeah. Okay. So I started watching the inventory tick up. Now here was an interesting fact. I kind of laid low. I, I, I just navigated a little bit more safely. I said, uh, um, I'm watching it go from 1800 to 2100 to 2200 to 2500 to 3000 to 3100 to 3200 to 3400 to 3500 to 3700. So when it hit 3700, it was like 3680, I think was its peak. I literally looked at it, I go, what just took place there? Yeah. And what is easy to say is there's still only 3,800 homes on the market. That's nothing. I just wanted to analyze it with a little bit more of a conservative pers- perspective. And what I said is, I said, the inventory has doubled. It's mm-hmm. gone up 100%. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I get like, what you're saying. Like, think of that versus go, oh, there's only 3,800. But what you're missing is that it, it literally doubled. Right. And it doubled in three months, okay? So think how quickly, if it doubled again, what if it went from seven from 3,700 homes to 7,500 homes? Right. In the same amount of time. Now you're starting to shift. And those are the things you got to pay attention to. Okay, these are all still good markets for for what we do. Right, right. With, with the with the with the numbers I'm I'm rattling off, but those are things that I pay attention to, and I ignore all the other noise. So, I watch interest rates, but I interest was rates say, don't you watch the interest yeah, rates? Yeah, but interest rates don't, don't move every day. Okay. I mean, they do if you're borrowing money, and but they move like you know very little, not notable. Yeah. So, but the inventory in a four month span can can double. And an eight-month ban could double again. You know, before you know it, you're in a market that's most beneficial to a buyer and not a seller. And I'm generally a seller. Right. Okay, so that's kind of what's taking place. And all of that was fueled by, they called it an exodus. They called it an exodus from okay. all of these very liberal states, from people that didn't want to live under those conditions. So it really fueled our market. Um, and the ability of, for a lot of people to work from home. You know, oh, now yeah. you can work anywhere you want. Right, right. You can work from your living room, your couch, or whatever. So what does that where does that leave us? I think that takes us to today. Yeah, it takes us to today. Okay. And what I you think, think the market's going to do. Because a lot well, of people that are listening, they may have their understanding of the market, which is fair. And whatever I said that doesn't align with yours, now you have a more of a whole version of what took place. Um but to just start off and go, well, this is what's going to be like. We've got to explain no, why gonna it's going to be that way. You have to have your backstory of how you got to this. You really conclusion. do. Yeah. A, you yeah. really, really need to know what happened because otherwise, what's going to happen doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why are they raising interest rates? I don't know. <laughs> They're just going to raise <laughs> interest rates just... in twenty twenty two, and that's a wrap. <laughs> I'm like, that's what they said. No, yeah. So now <laughs> we understand. Okay. So okay. what ends up happening is that a market. So what did I tell you? The Fed's responsibility is. Um, employment and inflation. Okay. So they want to keep the unemployment number down. Right. Okay. And they want to make sure that inflation is reasonable. 
They have a target inflation rate. I think it's like two or three percent. Okay. We were running at like six point nine. So we're they're a hundred percent higher than they thought. And in the beginning, inflation came out. Inflation numbers started to go up. Uh huh. And for the moment, they were calling it transitory, which transitory means a temporary moment in time. Things are moving. Mm-hmm. And they were attributing it to supply chain issues, meaning that factory's been shut down for a year. So if all of a sudden, you know, they pump a ton of money into the economy and everybody's got some extra jing to spend and everybody in the country goes and knocks on Ford's door and goes, I want an F-150. And they're like, we just turned the lights on yesterday. Of course, there's going to be um, a backlog of, right. of inventory. We got to get the tires built. We got to get the engines built. We got to get windows. We get, you know, we yeah. got to get our machine moving again. So that's what the Fed kept attributing the, uh, the, the in- inflation numbers to. And then... <laughs> things changed. <laughs> Enough time had passed where all of these um, factories and supply chain issues arguably should have gotten worked out. Now we're back to kind of normal real life where inflation is because there's too much money in the system. Okay. So when people have too much money in the system, you know, it's like, you know, Crystal, um, you know, everybody in the room here has 10 bucks in the bank and you want 10 bucks for this and we all want it. Well, if I only have 10 bucks and you want 10 bucks for that, I'll give you two because I need $8 to live on. (laughs) Right. Okay. Now all of a sudden I give everybody a hundred dollars and you still only want $10 for this. You're going to be like, wait a second. Okay. $10. Right. And then I go, I'll give you 12, you know? And then she chimes in and goes, I'll give you 15. And then it goes all the way around, and all of a sudden, this thing sells for 25 bucks. And the whole room's looking around going, how'd that happen? Well, when there's too much money in the system, people become a little bit too excited and overpay for things. Right. Well, now you've set a comp for this thing. Now this is $25. So now everybody has to pay for $25 for this thing. Yeah. The next thing that ends up happening is for people like you and I that are, that are in a profession that I would argue I'm very blessed to be a part of, where when real estate prices go up, commissions go up, profits go up. Um, when pricing goes up for mm-hmm. us, we make more money. There are people out there that that doesn't apply to, um, you know, firemen, police officers, teachers, people that are on a fixed income salary that's maybe adjusted for inflation or they get a raise. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens to those guys when this thing goes to twenty bucks? It starts to hurt. Yeah, you know. So um, the Fed has to take that into consideration. So how do they slow the economy back down? How do they calm people back down? They raise the interest rates. They raise the interest rates. And that hopefully starts to pull money out of the market. Because when interest rates are low, and it, what does that entice people to do? To go buy. Borrow money. And borrow. Borrow yeah. money. Okay. Well... That new injection of money, it yeah. comes from somewhere, that bank. Right, right, right. That, that's new money being shot into the system. Yeah. And that's where that oversupply of money comes from. So when the bank's interest rates go up, it's not as attractive to borrow. All of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not going to bid for this stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Screw that. They can have it. So uh, then everything gets back under control. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does that leave us at? 2022. Yes. Okay. 
Interest rates are going up at least four times. When? The first rate hike is supposed to be between like March, April, maybe May-ish. Right okay. in that time frame. So it's coming very quickly. But it's going to, and it's already kind of happened. And I th- so there's two types of interest rate hikes that I think the consumer doesn't quite understand. Okay. Is, is when there is a tremendous amount of demand for mortgages or, or loans or whatever it is, but the Fed hasn't raised their rate yet, the the vendor that is give, that is pumping the, the loans out into the yeah. system, let's call it the your mortgage lender, the credit card company, the bank, whatever it is, they will organically raise their rates to deter demand so that they can process what they've got. A lot of times the consumer will perceive that as interest rates are up. Well, they have the Fed raised the rates. Well, that's not true yet. The Fed has not raised the interest rates yet for 2022. But what is happening is that everybody's trying to get into the system before before they do. So the banks are getting bombarded with demand mm-hmm. to borrow, to borrow, to borrow, to borrow. Well, how do they discourage the demand? They raise their rates. And then it slows that down. So, so yes, right now rates are actually probably higher than they were, you know, three or four months ago. Um, but I don't know if that's due to the Fed. Okay. I think that's due to, to the, the, the outfit that's lending the money. And the anticipation of and the And the anticipation. <laughs> okay, so what does all this mean for the housing market? So right now, inventory as of... January 11th, 2021. January 11th, 2021. Oh, two, two. 2022. Two, 22, 22, <laughs> 22. This will be fun. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> January 11th, 2022. There are... 2,114 single-family residential homes on the market. That's not very much. That is very low. Very, 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 very low. So now you have two factors that I think are going to play an interesting role here that I don't know how to predict. Interest rates will go higher, Mm -hmm. and uh, it'll cost more to borrow, which should decrease demand, which should reduce the amount that's being taken from the single-family residential pool, which if you reduce that, then that pool should grow which that means supply is growing. When supply grows, pressure on pricing goes down. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. But the problem is that there's just nobody's listing their homes for sale. And if you'd ask yourself why, a great example is you and I. We refinanced our house, 2.37% interest over 30 years fixed, fixed for 30 years, Mm 2.3% on a jumbo loan. It's a sick loan. Yeah. 2%. Someone gave us a million dollars for 2% for 30 years. If we move, would we sell our house? What no, would you do? No. Probably not, right? Because the rate's so low. The rate's so low. Why would I ever let that go away? So I would likely rent my house mm-hmm. because I know that it would cash flow so substantially that I could use that new money mm-hmm. to, to, to pay down the, the new debt. So the point is, is that I would take from the market by buying yep, but not, and not give back yeah. by listing. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of people. A lot of people are saying, I'm very comfortable with where I'm at because everybody took advantage of the refi boom too. You know, they're like, my house is now $1,200 a month. Yeah. My house is, whatever the perspective is for you in your mind, let's say 2000 is high. Now all of a sudden your payment's $1,450. you are like, why would I ever move? I don't have an itch to move anymore. Right. I am so comfortable in this space. But if I do, my interest rate's so low, my payment's so low, the rents are so high, it makes more sense to just rent this house and go buy new. Yeah. So I'm, le- I'm, not, I'm not refilling the you're pool. You're not replenishing the replenishing. market. Replenishing. I'm yeah. just taking. Okay. So I think inventory is going to stay very low. 
So even with interest rates going up, I don't know if it's going to have a negative effect on pricing. Okay, I think here's how this goes down. And Okay, before the rates go up, before they're publicly announced that rates have gone up, people are going to jump in and start saying, I need to get my house now because I want to get it before the interest rates go up. Right. So they're taking from the pool, reducing inventory. The more inventory you reduce, the the more demand uh, there is for housing because there's not a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So then what happens when the rate finally does officially increase? The Fed finally clicks the rate up. Now all those people that are sitting on the sideline going, um, I don't know if I'm going to buy or not. They're going to go, shit, I got to jump in too now. Now because I it's see it's going to go up again. It's going to go up again. The Fed just told us what they're doing and showed us what they're doing. And that means that if this was a rate increase, I got to get in there now quickly before the next rate increase. Yeah. So take all of that mentality uh-huh. with a strong, booming job market, with a lack of inventory, with a shortage of housing, with housing becoming a new commercialized investment tool think of that yeah like 10 years ago when the housing market crashed big hedge funds weren't like i want to own 4000 homes right. i want to own 80000 homes they're like i want to buy the bellagio or i want to <laughs> buy commercial centers or i want to well well now <laughs> with the shift in um the digital era mm-hmm. you know the amazon the Target pickup, all that other stuff. Why'd you point at me? <laughs> all of that brick and mortar model yeah. where you're selling widgets out of a building is dead. So now all these guys that are that have a, a, an appetite for, for, for cash flowing assets, what better type of cash flowing asset to buy than where human beings have to live? Yeah, they have human to live beings, somewhere. They have to live somewhere. They don't have to go to Target to buy their stuff anymore. Yes, so why would I buy a Target shopping center? I mean, yeah. maybe Crystal. Crystal alone could keep a Target I mean, shopping center in business. <laughs> Target's a bad example. He's a different. <laughs> so here's an interesting, th- or here's a great question that I'd love to hear what you, you just heard me ramble for yes. probably 35, 40 minutes. And you hear me ramble all the time about housing and this and that, but that's not what you're analyzing every single day. So you get doses no, of it. Yeah. But based on this conversation, what is your opinion I feel of the 2022 housing market, at least the next six months. I don't believe anybody could predict a year. I don't see a crash. That's for sure. I I think that I, I thought what the point that you made was really good. If the Fed says they're going to rate the, raise the rates like four different times, I feel like everyone's going to try to get in before the first one. And then everyone's going to try to get in before it goes up again. And then everyone's going to try to get in before it goes up again. So and I, I think, think it's going to go up. And I think from that analysis, I think you're going to land at like four and a quarter by the end of 2022, as far as an interest rate goes. Isn't that still a good interest rate? Thank you. That's exactly where I was going with that. Okay. <laughs> well done. Good segue, honey. <laughs> and here's the thing: is four and a quarter it's still is still a good like rate? Shocking. Like, go ask your parents yeah. what they borrowed money from for at, on their first house. Like four percent. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. So the other thing that I have trained myself to do is I stay in the game until I have a problem that I can't overcome. 
And honestly, I don't really ever what have What do you mean problem. stay in the game? You stay in the game. So all this information, interest rates going up, inventory fluctuating, housing, people not migrating here as aggressively, the COVID restrictions being released, all of that is data that people are trying to analyze and figure out what their next move is and what do I do? Well, just what? make good, yeah. sound investments every day and just keep jamming. I feel like if you were to stop anytime there's more data, you like when would you ever be going? Because every exactly because yeah. there's always a shift there's in the news always cycle. Something, yeah. My big thing is, and I learned this during the pandemic. So what a blessing to have had the pandemic um, teach me this. If I have ten houses, and things shift, and I lose ten thousand per house, mm-hmm. that means I have to give up all of the profit. Yep. Okay, so call that thirty thousand a house. And then I lose another ten, mm-hmm. so I'd have to go back. I'd have to have made a mistake so badly that I that I'm backwards forty grand on the house, or the market has decreased forty grand on the house. If I lose a hundred thousand dollars, it wouldn't change my life. Mm-hmm. But what's my upside? Right. If I stay in the game and I keep jamming and I keep working and I can make over a million dollars. Then you have to ask yourself, I could either make a million dollars trying or I could sit on my ass trying to time it in fear of losing a hundred. That doesn't make any sense. Well, and that's ten houses. I mean, I don't think you've lost money no, on ten never. houses in total. I don't think I've left in total. Thank you. Say one more time for the audience, please. <laughs> you haven't lost money on ten houses in total so yes, far. That's right. Smart wife. Good <laughs> so job. you're not gonna lose in one year. Here's your twenty. <laughs> 20. 50. <laughs> no, it's true. So that's my uh, prediction on the 2022 housing market. I think it's going to stay strong. I think um, I think it'll stay a good, balanced, strong market. And those words are all little contradictory because all of those scenarios could take place. But the one word that I did not use was crash, major correction, this or that, or anything negative. Mm-hmm. It may become a balanced market, which is good for everybody. Um, and, or it'll just be aggressive, uh, and, and keep going up. So if I had to bet every penny I was worth, I'd say the market goes up 10% this year. I like that prediction. I think it's real. I would say from everything you taught me, I would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So stay in the game, keep buying, keep being aggressive, borrow money. It has very little to do with what, how much you're borrowing it for. If your deal is a good deal, it will still be a good deal. So, uh, stay in the game. That's my advice. Yep. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can also connect with us on social media or at galindogrouprealestate.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.